Want to wish you guys a happy Mother's Day as well. Like Doug said about his mom, my mom's super influential in, in my life as well. And, and uh, my mom is still with me, so I'm incredibly thankful for that because she is one of uh, the wisest people I know. And so I am very, very grateful for that. My name's Gary. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And we're in week five of this series that we've called The Question, which is based on curriculum from uh, Andy Stanley. And, and if you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that we've spent a lot of time on this question because we really believe that this question could revolutionize your decision-making. We really believe this is a question uh, that you can use and ask for the rest of your life. Now, do you remember what the question is? Let's not put it on the screen yet, but let's say it together. What's the yeah, what's the wise thing to do? In light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? Now, all of us have regret. All of us would like to go back to a season of our life, a weekend of our life, a, a spring break of our life. All of us would like to go back to a previous job, maybe a previous marriage, and ask this question, but we didn't get to. In fact, what I thought we could maybe do this morning is, is just, just start over here, and, and we're just going to share our, our, our greatest regret, okay? So, Brian, would you mind? Just stand up. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Just joking. Kind of get the emotions going for all of us. But when we think about our greatest regrets, we often say or, or think things like this, how did this happen? How did I get here? I should have seen that coming. I mean, when we look back now, it's, it's like the old song, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. But man, when we are in the moment, it is cloudy. But she said, he said he loved me. 40% return? You bet I'm in. No payments until next year? Absolutely. Six bedrooms? Honey, we've got to get it but she's so pretty, I can't break up with her. It's so easy to look back and, and think, I should have seen it coming. But here's the thing about should have seen it coming. When you look back at the circumstances of that unwise investment or that unwise job change or that affair, if you should have seen it coming, chances are somebody in your life did see it coming. Her name is Mom, right? I mean, it's Mother's Day. It just fits. But it's true. If you're a student living at home, your, your parents force you to have this conversation with them, don't you? Because they see everything coming. They can't help it. They see your whole life coming. So if you should have seen it coming, chances are somebody in your life did. And the reason they didn't warn you is because they didn't think you would listen. You guys are smart. So here's the question that sets us up for where we're going today, and it's huge. Why is it that we can't see it coming, but somebody else can? Why is it that I can see trouble coming in your life, but you can't see it? And why is it that you can see trouble coming in my life, but I can't see it. Why is it that I know exactly what you should do in the circumstances of your life, and why is it that if I told you my story, you would know exactly 
what I should do. Why is that? What if the truth is there are just some things that we can't see coming? What if we really can't? And here's why. Emotionally charged environments are not ideal for decision making. And just about every decision making environment is emotionally charged, right? Especially the big ones. And our, mo- our emotions make what's obvious less obvious. Our emotions just kind of fog the entire decision-making process. This is why I would do a, a much better job managing your money than you ever will. I will never make an impulse buy with your money. You could, you could come to me and say, hey, Gary, I want to buy this. I'd say, no, it's not a, not a good decision. But I want it. No. Please. I'm sorry. No. It's the same with marriage. Pastors are often asked to, to help with marriage counseling, and so I'm just going let to you, let you in on a little secret. Any one of you, even if you're single, even if you have never been married, you could sit in an office and listen to a couple explain all of their problems to you, and you would sit there and you'd think, well, it's obvious. Stop doing that, right? I mean, it's simple. Why is it you can fix someone else's marriage in about two minutes, but when it comes to your marriage, well, that's going to take, that's going to take years. Same is true for our kids. Don't you know exactly what your neighbor should do with their kids? I mean, if that was my son, it'd be one, two, three, four. My daughter will never wear that. My son will never do that. They will never, they will never, they will never. You know, I didn't have kids until I was over the age of 40. And when I was younger and single, I watched my three brothers and their wives raise their kids. And there were many times where I would think to myself, when I'm a parent someday, this is what I'm going to do. Because it's just, so, it's just so clear. And then you have your own. And you just kind of live in a fog. My friends tell me that it lasts for about 18 years, and I'm only five years in. But let me tell you, it is foggy. Sometimes my wife and I, we just, uh, we just stare blankly at each other and we say, they are slowly killing us. <laughs> so why is this stuff so hard? Because marriage is emotional. Parenting is emotional. Relationships are emotional. Money is emotional. And when we're in the middle of it, Emotion can fog our judgment because there's fear or there's anger or there's lust or there's greed or there's jealousy or there's hurt. But here's what I know about us because here's what I know about me. We want to live with fewer regrets. We want to live with fewer tears. We don't want to waste any more money. We're not looking for, for another season where we look back on regrets or where we look back and say, why didn't I see that coming? But sometimes we just don't know what to do because it is such an emotional situation. And so for five weeks now, we have explored this question. What's the wise thing for me to do? So when emotions are high, when emotions are running up here, what's the wise thing to do? Look up here. Look up here. Shh. 
listen. One word. Listen. In fact, it's our main thought this weekend. You can, you can see it on your journey guide. If I want to be wise, I listen. I know we don't see it coming because I know I don't always see it coming. But I guarantee you, somebody in your life sees it coming. And the wise person listens. They slow down long enough to tell themselves, uh-oh, this is emotional. And I am likely to make a decision that I will regret. Uh-oh, I'm angry better slow down. I better talk to somebody. I better get some advice. Uh-oh. I am so lonely. And I know when I am lonely, I am so prone to just fill in the blank. Wise people know when they are in no condition to decide for themselves. And they, shh, they listen. Now, as we've seen throughout this series over the last several weeks, this collection of ancient writings, this collection of ancient documents that we call the Bible is so incredibly helpful when it comes to the, to the big decisions that we need to make in life. And if you're not a Christian here today, if maybe you're just here because it's Mother's Day or for whatever reason, and you're not even sure what you think about the Bible, that's fine. Here's what I want you to do. Just listen. Just listen and, and decide for yourself whether or not the Bible might have some helpful advice for you. But most of us who are here today would call ourselves Christians or Christ followers. So we have to listen, right? We don't only have to listen, we have to obey. It's part of what we signed up for when, when we uh, committed our life to Jesus. We need to put this stuff into practice. So we're going to read some writings from an ancient king of Israel that are found in what we call the Old Testament. And if you're into history, uh, there were, there, uh, we're going to hear from the third king of, of Israel. So there's Saul, and then there's David, and then there's David's son, Solomon. And that's who we're going to look at today. And some of you already know this, but Solomon, say it out loud with me, Solomon is known for his, oh, whiz, whiz, I thought you were going to say wives. Wives. Solomon had 700 wives. How is a guy known for his wisdom, how does he have 700 wives? You know, I, uh, I thought of a, a lot of good one-liners right here. But you know, now that I'm here, up on stage, and it's Mother's Day, and I'm looking at all of you, you know, it's not the wise thing to do. So I'm just going to let that, just going to let that pass, let that, let that moment go. But you're right. King Solomon is known for his wisdom. He ruled for 40 years during the golden age of Israel, where Israel had as much power as they would ever have, where Israel's army was as powerful as it would ever be, and, and where their uh, uh, land acquisition was as broad as it would ever be. And in a book about kings, the writer says this about Solomon, 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29, God gave Solomon wisdom, and note that he didn't learn it by experience. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. And he did this when Solomon was just a teenager. In fact, some of you know this story because you grew up in church, but his father, uh, King David, had just died. And, and so Solomon, who's just in his teens, has inherited uh, the throne of Israel. And God tells him, Solomon, 
I will give you whatever you want. And Solomon says, great, I'll take an eye watch. No, that's not what he says. He says, give me wisdom, God. Give me understanding. And God says, you've got it. And in verse 41, it says, and his fame, Solomon's fame, spread to all the surrounding nations. His reputation wasn't about his power and his riches, even though he was incredibly powerful and incredibly rich. His reputation was his wisdom. And it says, from all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. People got in line to listen to him. In some cases, People would stay for days or even months to wait just to have a short meeting with King Solomon. Now, here's the good news for you and me. We don't have to get in line because, because he wrote a bunch of this stuff down and it's recorded in the Bible. He, he wrote the uh, book of Ecclesiastes. Maybe you've heard of that. which It's all about finding a purpose and finding the meaning of life. He wrote the Song of Solomon, which is all about sex. I just saw two guys just wake up right back there. And they're just like, write it down. Write it down right now. Song of Solomon. It's all about sex. We even did a, a, a series about it last, last year, so you can check that out. But he also wrote a book called Proverbs, and that's what we're going to look at today. And in the book of Proverbs, Solomon gives us a bunch of, of statements, kind of one-liners about wisdom. These are statements you can put on your calendar, or on your desktop. They're, they're easy to memorize. And here's what's interesting. The wisest man in the world said more about seeking counsel than any other ancient writer. The wisest man in the world said more about seeking counsel than any other biblical writer. The man who needed counsel the least wrote about it the most. I'm going to say that again. The man who needed counsel the least wrote about it the most. And I don't know about you, but, but for me, that's incredible. I mean, what an incredible example for me, for all of us. But you see, the wisest man in the world knew this. There are going to be situations where you aren't going to see it coming. But somebody will. And if you are wise enough to invite them in, you will gain clarity, the clarity you need to make wise decisions. Because if I want to be wise, I listen. I listen. So here's some of what King Solomon wrote. Proverbs 9.9. Instruct the wise, in other words, speak to, counsel, advise the wise, and they will be wiser still. Proverbs 1.5, a wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. That word acquire can mean to seek out guidance. Today it would mean to, to go see a consultant, to bring in a consultant, to go see a, a counselor, or bring in a counselor, talk to your board. You may have heard this one before, Proverbs 15.22. Plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. The wisest man in the world said, get lots of advice. Don't go it alone. Don't think that you 
know-it-all. I'm going to give you a statement. It'll be on the screen. You may want to write this down. Wise people know what they don't know, and they aren't afraid to ask people who do. Wise people know what they don't know, and they aren't afraid to ask people who do. How many times have you, have you heard or, or thought or said something, something like this? I had parents once. I don't need to read a book about marriage. I was a kid once. I don't need to read a book about raising kids. I had surgery once. You see, it just kind of breaks down right there. Breaks down. Wise people know what they don't know, and they aren't afraid to ask people who do. A couple more Proverbs. 1920. Listen to advice and accept discipline, meaning wise people listen and they accept correction. So when someone who cares about you says to you, I wouldn't call her. I wouldn't go over there. I wouldn't have another drink. I wouldn't take that job. I wouldn't move in with him. But, but we're going to split the rent. I mean, it's saving us money, I know. I'm just telling you. I wouldn't do it. Listen to advice, Solomon says, and accept discipline, accept correction. And at the end, and remember what we've been talking about, future hopes and dreams. My future hopes and dreams. Your future hopes and dreams. Listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. Last one, Proverbs 13.10. Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Now, I have not said anything that you have never heard before. Nobody is thinking to themselves, man, this is, this is brilliant. Gary, this is awesome. I can't believe it. Ask for advice. Ask for advice. This is awesome. Nobody's doing that. Nobody's getting ready to tweet that. Now, if you wanted to tweet that, that would be hashtag ask for advice at Pastor Gary, hashtag is a genius. But I know nobody's going to do that, but that's what you could do. Guys, asking for advice isn't new, is it? So then the question is, why don't we? Why don't we ask for advice? Well, I think one reason we don't is because we don't want to hear it. I mean, let's just be honest. We know if we ask for advice, we know what those people are going to say, and we don't want to hear it. I mean, didn't we spend ages 12 to 20 kind of developing that mindset? Now it's just kind of stuck. It's there. It's, it's set in. Can I be a little direct with, with you and with all of us this morning? Just for a moment. Solomon says, the wisest man in the world, Solomon says, if you know what to do and you don't do it, 
He has a term for that. And I think you know what it is, so I'm just going to let you say it. If you know what to do and you don't do it, you're a, a fool. You're a fool. If you know what to do and you don't do it, you're a fool. And it will cost you. It will cost you. So if you're in the middle of a big decision right now, you don't even have to ask, what would Jesus do? It's Mother's Day. Just ask, what would my mom tell me to do? Because if you don't, if you don't listen, it will cost you. So one reason we don't ask for advice is we don't want to hear it, but I think there's a, another reason. We think it's nobody else's business. This is my marriage. This is, this is my money. These are my kids. This is my job, my career, my company. It's nobody else's business but mine. How many times have we thought or felt or said something like that? But here's, here's the thing. Look at me. While we may believe that it's nobody else's business and we may believe that, that it's just our personal private decision, here's the truth. Personal, private decisions affect others, sometimes deeply. And I know that because I've experienced it. Personal, private decisions can deeply affect others, especially if you're married, especially if you're a parent, especially if you're the boss, especially if you're one of the pastors of this church. That's why we've been asking this question week after week after week because we want to make sure that we are making wise decisions because decisions matter. Private decisions have public consequences. So if our decisions are going to affect those close to us, those we love, those we oversee, those we care about, why wouldn't we want to include a few experienced, well-seasoned, individuals into our decision-making process. But I think there's another reason we don't ask for advice. Sure, we don't want to hear it, and we don't think it's anyone else's business, but this one's deeper. In fact, this one's at the root of it all. You can read about it in the Old Testament. You can read about it in the New Testament. You've experienced it. Common sense tells us it's pride. And if you grew up going to Sunday school or going to church, you know that pride was the demise of Solomon. A few moments ago, we, we were looking at how Solomon had started off really well. God gives him extraordinary wisdom. He gets to reign for 40 years over, over Israel, and it's an incredible reign. And then... This is just unbelievable, but, it, but it's true. Toward the end of his life, Solomon ignores his own advice. He basically decides, since I'm the wisest guy in the world, I don't need to listen to anyone. And he made some terrible decisions. The wisest man who ever lived made some of the, dis, uh, the dumbest decisions ever made. 
He wrecks the economy of Israel, even though it's as strong as it's ever been. He undermines the military authority of Israel, even though it's as powerful and strong as it's ever been. And because of decisions he made and and treaties he signed with surrounding nations, he set the next generation of his family up for failure. The prophets warned him. The law of God warned him. His own words warned him. But he made up his mind not to listen. And he did what many of us are prone to do. He did what I know I am prone to do. He allowed pride to undermine his own success. He allowed pride to undermine his own legacy. Solomon, the wisest man in the world, played the fool. And he and his family and the people of Israel paid a terrible price. Remember what Solomon had said. Where there is strife, I don't want to hear your advice. Where there is strife, you know, That is none of your business. Where there is strife, this is my money, my marriage, my life, my kids. Where there is strife, there is what? There is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Shh. Listen. Don't play the fool. Don't wait for another, ah, I should have seen that coming. Don't undermine your own success. Don't undermine your legacy. If you want to be wise, listen. Listen. We get ready to head back home today or maybe we're off to a Mother's Day brunch or dinner or students, you'll be off to school on on Monday and a lot of us will be back to work this week. In light of our past experiences, our current circumstances and our future hopes and dreams, listen, listen. And let's allow God to use others to speak into our life and to help us know what's the wise thing to do. Now we're going to close just a little bit differently today because we want to share a real-life example of what we've been talking about. It just happened this past week, so I'm going to ask Pastor Doug to come back up And he is going to share that story. Thank you, Gary. Can we thank Gary for that incredible, incredible challenge? It's awesome. Well, as many of you guys know, we uh, as preachers get an opportunity to put into practice what we're we're, uh, preaching. Do you think that's a good idea? Our plan and our hope and our prayer is that all of us will be able to do that. And this, over the last week, a little bit over, we've had an opportunity to do that here. As many of you know, we're getting ready to send a group of our students, and this is a big part of 
uh, what our student ministry does, provide some opportunities, and Kyle and his team are doing great for our students to be able to participate in some things that are going to help just kind of supercharge their walk with the Lord. And uh, one of the things that he's doing is uh, set up a trip, and many students have signed up for our students to go on a missions trip this summer to the UK. Incredible opportunity, and we want to do everything that we can to help them get there. And so now we heard about some other student ministries that uh, were, were trying to do some fundraising for some of the things that they were doing, and a couple of them had very successfully uh, held uh, Texas Hold'em tournaments and were able to have folks come even from outside of the church to come and to participate, to participate in that. Now, the student ministry team is awesome, and so they came and talked to me about this, and I was like, perfect, yeah, go, that's a great idea, that'll be awesome. And I have played Texas Hold'em before. I've told you I'm horrible. Like, if you, if you love to play, and I know some of you are here that have played with me, like, you want me to come to your, to your Texas Hold'em game because I am that bad. That is for real the truth. But um, as we have had a chance to think about this and to have some conversations with some people that we love dearly that are part of this church, and we have friends and even some, some family that we know that uh, have gone through some really, really difficult times as a result of addictions to gambling, where folks have lost everything. And there's a, there's a potential here for, for there to be some misunderstanding of what we were trying to do, and there might be some messaging that could have been not communicated but felt, and that's that we corporately as a church would be endorsing gambling. And so that is obviously not what we were trying to do, but I want to make sure that you know that that's not what we were trying to do. And so I want to tell you that first today. We do not endorse gambling, and that is not what this is about. There really was no real gambling going on in this Texas Hold'em tournament, but we want to be careful that that messaging isn't misunderstood. And so we have had an opportunity to, to listen well. Isn't it great that that happened this week? You're laughing. It's true. It's awesome. And you're going to get to do it more than we did this week. I guarantee it. But here's what we also want to do. This was kind of a little bit of a hit to the fundraising efforts of our students, and, and so I need your help today. As you're leaving, there's going to be two ways that you can give. You can either text to give, or our ushers will be at the doors as well. And can you help me help our kids get to the UK without a Texas Hold'em tournament? Can we do that? I need your help here. So if you can help me do that, that would be awesome. And uh, stand to your feet, if you will, if you will. And I got to tell you this story as we're leaving, uh, just to kind of help you understand a little bit more what uh, kind of the heart behind this. Uh, many, many years ago, you guys know that uh, Pastor Gary and I went to college together, and we've been friends for a very long time, 28 years, something like that. And when we were in college, uh, we took a spring break trip, and uh, part of that trip was on the way back from California, we were going to stop in Las Vegas. And I had never been there before, Gary had never been there before, and uh, that was a pretty, pretty uh, uh, you know, you guys know, for those of you that have been there, it's a crazy town, right? Well, I grew up very, very old school, Okay. And my mom found out that we were going to go to Vegas, and she was mortified, and she was freaked out that one of us was going to get addicted to gambling. And so she made it very clear before we left that she was going to pray that none of us would win any money in Vegas and get addicted to gambling, right? And so do you know what happened? Every single one of us that were on that trip lost money, all of it, except for one guy. He made like $400. And on the way home, we stopped at a gas station, and somebody stole his wallet. (laughs) 
And still to this day, myself and all the rest of us that went on that trip blame my mother's prayers for that, for sure. And you know what? I know her heart. She just didn't want us to get addicted to something that could be painful or have consequences in the back. And that's what this is about. So will you guys help me? Let's help our kids get to the UK. And uh, in just a minute, our prayer team is going to be up front. And uh, if you have something that you'd like for us to pray with you about, maybe there's some big decisions that you have to make and you just want some prayer. And listen, there will be opportunities this week for you to ask for advice. Wise people talk to smart people and ask the right questions and they're able to get guidance along the way that will help us avoid pain. Gary, thank you for your message today. Very, very appropriate. We're going to have a chance to use that later today and for sure the rest of this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the way you love us. Thank you for the way you care about us. And uh, Father, I just ask today that you would give us ears to hear, that you'd surround us by people that we know love us, care about us, and Lord will give us good advice. Help us to be people that make the wise decision. Lord, help that to be part of the DNA and kind of the the fiber of the way that we go through life. Keep continuing to ask that question. And Lord, you speak to us and give us the courage to listen and obey. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.